Hey everybody, thanks so much for listening to this podcast. I hope it's really helping you grow in the Lord. But I just wanted to take a second just to talk about this great tool that I've been using to bring the Word of God to people. Anchor is a tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast to listening platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts and a lot more. So it's really been helping me reach people that I can't go to their house and actually teach them a Bible study. So it's everything you need in the podcast in one place. The best of all, Anchor, and it's totally free. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to the Word Bible Study with Pastor Dan and the family. Good morning. Say hi, everybody. We hope you're having a wonderful day in Jesus, and we are ready to Start working our way through the Bible again. You guys ready? Yes, we are. We're going to start in the book of Luke today. Luke. So let's start with Luke chapter 1, verse 1. Many people have sent out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They used the eyewitness report circulating among us from the early disciples. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning... I also have decided to write an accurate account for you, most honorable Theophilus, so you can be certain of the truth of everything that you were taught. So this this book is written by Luke, and it is written for an honorable Theophilus. This was a Roman governor at this time. So Luke wasn't a disciple. He wasn't someone who believed in Jesus, but he was a historian who was writing this book as an account for this Roman officer. So now he also wrote the book of Acts. So we're going to see that when we get to the book of Acts. So this is him telling the story. The birth of John the Baptist foretold. When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah. And his wife, Elizabeth, was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. So they had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priest, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. So he was filled with the Spirit before he was born. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. So he's going to have the spirit of Elijah on him. And he will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Zechariah said to the angel, How can I be sure this will happen? I am an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. That's how. That's a nice way to say your wife is old. Mm -hmm. You can't just say she's old. You got to say she's well along in years. One day, Daddy better say that about me. (laughs) Well, your mother is just well along in years. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. So this is Gabriel the angel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you don't believe that what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. 
for my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. So he's going to make him deaf to where he can't speak. Meanwhile, yeah, mute, you're right. Mute, not deaf, because he can hear. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zachariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why is he taking so long. When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. Then they realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. When Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon afterwards, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant, and she went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. And Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High God. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, But how can this be? I am a virgin. And the angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby will be born, will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in the sixth month. For the word of the Lord will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of the Lord I serve should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped with joy. You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. So you're blessed if you actually believe God. And Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy. And he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation. To all who fear him, his mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. He has made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then went back to her own town, or her own home. When it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. When the baby was eight days old, they all came for the circumcision ceremony. They wanted to name him Zachariah after his father, but Elizabeth said no. His name is John. What? they exclaimed. There is no one in all of the family by that name. So they used gestures to ask the baby's father what he wanted to name him. He motioned, he motioned for a writing tablet, and to everyone's surprise, he wrote, His name is John. Instantly, Zachariah could speak again, and he began praising God. 
all fell upon the whole neighborhood. And the news of what had happened spread throughout the Judean hills. Everyone who heard about it reflected on these events and asked, What will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord is surely upon him in a special way. Then his father Zechariah, while was filled with the Holy Spirit and gave this prophecy. Praise the Lord God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty Savior from royal line of his servant David, just as he promised through the holy prophets long ago. Now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. I, I keep thinking about this, so I'm going to go ahead and stop for a second and talk about it. You realize he says, praise the Lord God of Israel because he has visited and redeemed his people. That, that, if that doesn't talk about the oneness of God there, I just did a Bible study on it, and that really puts it into point. Like God visited his people and redeemed them. Wow, which is Jesus. Which is Jesus. God wrapped in the flesh. Right. He has been merciful to our ancestors by redeeming his sacred covenant, the covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. We have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness as long as we live. Man, he knew what was coming. And you, my little son, will be the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins because of God's tender mercy. The morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide them to the path of peace. That's what we're supposed to do today, guys. How many of you guys know Jesus is coming again? And it's our job as Christians Amen. to prepare the way. And I think that story just showed us how important it is to listen to God and his voice and speak truth. You know, he lost, couldn't talk, made him mute. And then he started listening to God and speaking things. Yeah. And he got his voice back. John grew up and became strong in spirit. And he lived in the wilderness until he began his public ministry in Israel. Chapter 2. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinus was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in straps of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped in snugly in straps of cloth lying in a manger. This is cool, guys. This is the actual Christmas story here. Dude, I got a question. Did Jesus actually grow up or did he just have a new church? Oh, he grew up. He was born a baby. Yeah. That's why everybody knew Watch. him in his this is gonna tell. This is going to tell the story about him growing up a little bit. So here we go. Suddenly the angel was joined with a vast host of others, the armies of heaven. Praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to whom to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, 
and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus, and the name given him by the angel even before he was conceived. Then it was time for their purification offering, as required by the law of Moses, after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says, if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simon. He was a righteous and devout man and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him, and he had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day... The Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let the servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is the light to reveal God to the nations. And he is the glory of your people, Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simon blessed them and said to Mary, the baby's mother, This child is designated to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of their heart will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Penuel from the tribe of Esher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God and fasting and praying. She came along just as Simon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. When Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements for the law of the Lord, they returned home to Nazareth in Galilee. There the child grew up healthy and strong. See, they're talking about Jesus growing up now, Saul. He was filled with wisdom and God's favor was on him. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, oh, here he is, Saul, he's 12, but he's a couple years older than you, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first, but they assumed he was among their travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among the relatives and friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. So Jesus got lost. <laughs> His parents lost him. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers. So three days he was gone. Three whole days. Listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantically searching for you everywhere. But why did you need to search? Jesus asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. 
Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Chapter 3, guys. Wow. It was now the 14th year of the reign of Tiberius, the Roman emperor. Pontius Pilate was governor over Judea, and Herod Antipas was the ruler over Galilee. His brother Philip was ruler over Eturia and Terraconisis. You guys like those names? Yeah. It sounds like Every time it sounds like I might not have pronounced it right, I figure you guys like it. Terius? Lysianisis. <laughs> Listen to this name. Lysianisis. I think that's it. Was the ruler over Abilene. Annas and Caiaphas were the high priests. At that time, a message from God came to John, son of Zechariah, who was living in the wilderness. Then John went from place to place on both sides of the Jordan River, preaching that people should be baptized to show that they had repented from their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. Isaiah had spoken of John when he said, He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, preparing the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. The valleys will be lifted. The mountains and hills will be made level. The curves will be straightened. The rough places will be made smooth. Then all the people will see the salvation sent from God. When the crowds came to John for baptism, he said, You brood of snakes, who warned you to flee the coming wrath? Prove by the way that you live that you have repented from your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, We're saved, for we are descendants of Abraham. For that means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now, the axe of God's judgment is poised and ready to sever the roots of the tree. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. The crowds asked, what should we do? And John replied, if you have two shirts, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. Even corrupt tax collectors came to be baptized and asked, teacher, what should we do? And he replied, collect no more taxes than the government requires. What should we do? Asked some soldiers. John replied, don't extort money or make false accusations. You should be content with your pay. Everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon, and they were eager to know whether John might be the Messiah. John answered their question by saying, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave and to untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. When he Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with never-ending fire. John used such warnings as he announced the good news to the people. John also publicly criticized Herod Antipas, the ruler of Galilee, for marrying Herodias, his brother's wife, and for many other wrongs that he had done. So Herod put John in prison, adding this said to his many others. One day, when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. As he was praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove. And a voice from the heavens said, You are my dearly beloved son, and you bring me great joy. Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his public ministry. So Jesus was 30 when he started preaching. Jesus was known as the son of Joseph. Joseph was of Heli. Heli was the son of Mattai. Mattai was the son of Levi. Levi was the son of Malachi. Oh, we're going to keep going here. Guys. A lot of sons of sons of sons all the way down to the son of David. And David was the son of Jesse. He was the son of Obed and Obed of Boraz and Boraz of Solomon all the way down to Abraham. 
Of course, Abraham yeah. was the father of, of Isaac Abraham. and Jacob. Yeah. And Abraham was the son of Terah, and Terah was the son of Nabor, and Nabor was the son of Sarah. Oh, man, there's so many names here. All the way down to Adam. And Adam was the son of God. So you see that? When you look at this, if you look at the whole chapter, you can see in chapter 3 of Luke, it goes from Jesus, who is God wrapped in flesh, all the way to Adam, who's the son of God. That's why Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is his own grandfather. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, that's how amazing our God is. He wrapped himself in flesh, and when he became human, he became a child of his own children, a descendant of himself. So God, that's why they call Jesus the Son of God. He is the Son of God. (laughs) It's not that confusing. You've got to think about God doesn't have any rules. No limitations. He can do anything. He can wrap himself in flesh. He can be a human. Jesus could do anything. He came as a dove. He had descended as a dove. God did. And he's a spirit that lives inside of us. us, Not just me, but you and dad. But it's all the one God that we've learned about throughout the whole Bible. All right. Now let's move into chapter four. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil. 40 days. Jesus ate nothing at that time and became very hungry. And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world at that moment in time. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them. The devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you will worship me. But Jesus replied, the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect and guard you. And they will hold you up with their hands so that you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Isn't it funny that the devil tempts people to hurt themselves so that they can prove that God will protect them? That's what he said. Jump down and God will protect you. The angels will come. That's the same trick the devil does today. Go ahead and sin. God's grace will cover it. That's what he's telling people. Go ahead and hurt yourself a little bit. It's okay. God's angels will protect you. But you know what? Just like Jesus said, you should not test the Lord your God. We don't live in sin and hurt ourselves just so we can prove that God's angels will protect us. We are to live above sin. I don't want to fall for the devil's temptations. Isn't that good, Saul? When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until another opportunity came, or until the next opportunity. Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly throughout the whole region. He taught regularly in the synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, He went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim to the captives they will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. And that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll and handed it back to the attendant and sat down. Then all the eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them. The scriptures you just heard have been fulfilled this very day. 
Everyone spoke well of him and was amazed by his gracious words that came from his lips. How can this be, they asked. Isn't this the son of Joseph? Then he said, you will undoubtedly quote me this proverb, physician, heal yourself, meaning do miracles here in your hometown like those you did in Capernaum. But I tell you the truth, no prophet is accepted in his own hometown. Certainly there were many needy widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the heavens were closed for three and a half years and a, and a severe famine devastated the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them. He was sent instead to a foreigner, a widow of Zapatha in the land of Zidah. And many in Israel had leprosy in the time of the prophet Elijah. But the only one healed was Naaman, a Syrian. When they heard this, the people in the synagogue were furious. Jumping up, they mobbed him and forced him to the edge of the hill on which the town was built. They intended to push him over the cliff, but he passed right through the crowd and went on his way. Then Jesus went to Capernaum, the town of Galilee, and taught there in the synagogue on a Sabbath day. There, too, the people were amazed of his teaching, for he spoke with authority. Once, when he was in the synagogue, a man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit, cried out, shouting, Go away! Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But God, but Jesus reprimanded him, be quiet and come out of the man, he ordered. At that, the demon threw the man on the floor as the crowd watched. Then it came out of him without hurting him further. Amazed, the people exclaimed, what authority and power would this man's words possess? Even evil spirits obey him, and they flee at his command. The news about Jesus spread through every village in the entire region. After leaving the synagogue that day, Jesus went to Simon's home, where he found Simon's mother-in-law very sick with a high fever. Please heal her, everyone begged. Standing at her bedside, he rebuked the fever, and it left her. And she got up at once and prepared a meal for them. As the sun went down that evening, people throughout the village brought sick family members to Jesus. No matter what their diseases were, the touch of his hand healed every one. Many were possessed by demons, and the demons came out with the command, shouting, You are the Son of God! But because they knew he was the Messiah, he rebuked them and refused to let them speak. Early the next morning, Jesus went out to an isolated place, and the crowd searched everywhere for him. And when they finally found him, they begged him not to leave them. But he replied, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too, because that is why I was sent. So he continued to travel around, preaching in synagogues throughout Judea. Chapter 5, The First Disciples one day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats on the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he was finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish on the verge of sinking. Isn't that awesome? If I go fishing, I want, to, I want Jesus to come with me. <laughs> That's right. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. 
and he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. And Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. In one of the villages, Jesus met a man with an advanced case of leprosy. When the man saw Jesus, he bowed at his feet to the ground, begging to be healed. Lord, he said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. And Jesus reached out and touched him. What do you think Jesus said? Very good, Saul. He said, I am willing. Be healed. That's awesome because Jesus is always willing. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Yeah, that was smart, Saul. Then Jesus instructed him not to tell anyone what had happened. He said, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. But despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power spread even faster. And the crowds, the vast crowds, came to hear him preach and were healed of their diseases. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Wow, if Jesus had to go away to the wilderness and pray, maybe we need to go find places of prayer sometime, right? Amen. When you start getting frustrated, Saul, it's a good time to go to the wilderness and pray. I'm getting ready to go into the woods and hunt and pray. Just like Jesus. <laughs> One day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were standing nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Some men were carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat, and they tried to take him inside to Jesus. But they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and took off some tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on a mat down into the crowd, right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, Young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and teachers of religious law said to themselves, Who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So to prove that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. So you see how Jesus linked forgiveness of sins and healing. If we believe Jesus can forgive our sins, then we have to believe that Jesus can also heal our bodies. Right. And immediately as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe and they praised God, exclaiming, We have seen amazing things today. Later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. And many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with him. But the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? But Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. One day, some people said to Jesus, John the Baptist's disciples fast and pray regularly. And so do the disciples of the Pharisees. Why are your disciples always eating and drinking? And Jesus responded, Do wedding guests feast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. Then Jesus gave them this illustration. No one tears a piece of cloth from a new garment and uses it as a patch for an old garment. For then the new garment would be ruined 
and the new patch wouldn't even match the old garment. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins, but no one who drinks from the old wine seems to want the new wine. The old is just fine, they say. All right, chapter number six. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples broke off the heads of grain and rubbed off the husk in their hands and ate the grain. But some Pharisees said, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Jesus replied, haven't you read the scriptures, what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests can eat. He also gave some to his companions. And Jesus added, the son of man is the Lord, even over the Sabbath. On another Sabbath day, a man with a deformed right hand was in the synagogue while Jesus was teaching. The teachers of religious law and Pharisees watched Jesus closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew their thoughts, and he said to the man with the deformed hand, Come and stand in front of everyone. So the man came forward, and then Jesus said to his critics, I have a question for you. Does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath, or is it a day for doing evil? Is this day a day to save life or to destroy it? He looked around the room one by one and then said to the man, Hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored. At this, the enemies of Jesus were wild with rage and began to discuss what to do with him. One day soon afterward, Jesus went up to the mountain to pray and he prayed to God all night. At daybreak, he called together all of his disciples and chose 12 of them to be his apostles. Here are their names. Simon, whom he named Peter, Andrew, Peter's brother, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, and Simon, who is called the Zealot, Judas, and Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. Do you guys hear that name, Bartholomew? Would that be funny if I named you guys Bartholomew? Would you like that name? I'd call you Barth. <laughs> call you Barth for short? <laughs> when they came down from the mountain, the disciples stood with Jesus on a large level area, surrounded by many of his followers and by the crowds. You know, I probably shouldn't have, probably shouldn't have done that because one day we're going to be in heaven. We're going to meet Bartholomew and he's going to, He's going to wonder why I thought his name like was so name, funny. Huh? <laughs> there were people from all over Judea and from Jerusalem and from far north as the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And, they, and those troubled by evil spirits were healed. Everyone tried to touch him because healing power went out from him and he healed everyone. That's how we're supposed to be as believers too. We got that same power. Then Jesus turned to his disciples and said, God blesses you who are poor for the kingdom of God is yours. God blesses you who are hungry now for you will be satisfied. And God blesses you who weep now for in due time you will laugh. What blessings await you when people hate you and exclude you and mock you and curse you as evil because you follow the Son of Man. When this happens, be happy. Yes, leap for joy, for a great award awaits you in heaven. And remember, their ancestors treated the ancient prophets the same way. So Jesus says here that when people are mean to you because you love Jesus, that you have a reward waiting in heaven. Isn't that cool, Saul? What, what kind of reward would you want? Steak. <laughs> It's all want steak. Can I tell you what I want? Yeah, what do you want, Vic? Hey, Xbox Wow. I think God gives better presents than we even know. Right. So let's count on him to reward us greatly for right. what we go through here on earth. Not be worried to stand up for God, right? Yeah. What sorrow awaits you who are rich, for you have 
your only happiness now and what sorrow awaits you who are fat and prosperous now for a time of awful hunger awaits you. What sorrow awaits you who laugh now for your laughter will be turned into mourning and sorrow. What sorrow awaits you who are praised by the crowds for their ancestors also praised false prophets. But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. You hear that, guys? We're supposed to love our enemies. Do good to those who hate you and bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. And if someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek as well. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt too. Give to everyone who asks. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like for them to do to you. If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. But if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners lend money to other sinners with a full return. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great. And you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. Wow, that's big. You hear that? God is kind even to those who are unthankful and wicked. So when we see people who are bad and they have a blessed life, it's not the devil who blesses them. The Bible just said even God blesses those people because God loves everybody. So he blesses everyone. That's amazing. Do not judge others. And you will not be judged. Do not condemn others or it will all come back against you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down and shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Then Jesus gave the following instructions. Can one blind person lead another? What do you think? So can one blind guy lead another blind guy? They won't they don't know how to see. They will both fall into a ditch. Students are not greater than the teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. And why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own eye? How do you think You can say, friend, let me help you get rid of the speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye. Hypocrites, first get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. So if someone's got a piece of dirt in their eye, how can you help them if you had a whole log in your eye? You wouldn't even be able to help them. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, but a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes, and grapes are not picked from the bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from a treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from a treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I will show you what it is like when someone comes to me, listens to my teachings, and then follows it. It is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays a foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against the house, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey it is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. And when the flood sweeps down against the house, It collapses in heaps of ruin. Chapter 7. We're going to talk about the faith of a Roman officer. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people, he returned to Capernaum. 
At that time, the highly valued slave of a Roman officer was sick and near death. When the officer heard about Jesus, he sent some respected Jewish elders to ask him to come and heal the slave. So they earnestly begged Jesus to help the man. If anyone deserves your help, he does, they said, for he loves the Jewish people. He even built a synagogue for us. So Jesus went with them, and just before they arrived at the house, the officer sent some friends to say, Lord, don't trouble yourself by coming to my home, for I am not worthy of such an honor. I'm not even worthy to come to meet you. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I need only to say go, and they go, or come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. Then when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to the crowds that had, was following him, he said, I tell you, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. And when the officer's friends returned to his house, they found the slave completely healed. Soon afterward, Jesus went to his disciples to the village of Nan. A large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. A young man who had died was a widow's only son, and a large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin and touched it, and the bearer stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. That's amazing. Great fear swept through the crowd. And they praised God saying, A mighty prophet has risen among us. And God has visited his people today. The news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside. The disciples of John the Baptist told John about everything Jesus was doing. So John called for two of his disciples and he sent them to the Lord and asked him, Are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? John's two disciples found Jesus and said to him, John the Baptist sent us to ask, Are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? At that time, Jesus cured many people of their diseases, illnesses, and evil spirits, and he restored sight to many who were blind. Then he told John's disciples, Go back to John and tell him what you have seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, and those with leprosy are cured. The deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. He added, God blesses those who don't fall away because of me. After John's disciples left, Jesus began talking about him to the crowds. What kind of man did you go into the wilderness to see? Was he a weak reed, swayed by every breath of wind? Or were you expecting to see a man dressed in expensive clothes? No, people who wear beautiful clothes and live in luxury are found in palaces. Were you looking for a prophet? Yes, and he is more than a prophet. John is the man whom the scriptures refer to when they say, Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way before you. I tell you, of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John. Yet even the least person in the kingdom of God is greater than he is. When they heard this, all the people, even the tax collectors, agreed that God's way was right. For they had been baptized by John, but the Pharisees and experts in religious law rejected God's plan for them, and they had refused John's baptism. To what can I compare the people of this generation, Jesus asked. How can I describe them? They are like children playing a game in the public square. They complain to their friends. We have played wedding songs and they didn't dance. We played funeral songs and they didn't weep. For John the Baptist didn't spend his time eating bread and drinking wine. And they say he's possessed by a demon. The son of man, on the other hand, feasts and drinks. And they say he is a glutton and a drunkard. And a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. But wisdom is shown to be right by the lives of those who follow it. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. 
When a certain immoral woman from the city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. She knelt behind him at his feet weeping. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. And she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what type of woman was touching him. She is a sinner. And Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. When Jesus said this to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The man at the table said amongst themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Chapter 8, last chapter we're going to go through today. Soon afterwards, Jesus began a tour in the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them was Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons, and Joanne, the wife of Chaza, Harris' business manager, Susanna, and many others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. One day, Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. A farmer went out to plant his seeds. As he scattered it across his field, some seeds fell upon the footpath where it was stepped on and the birds ate it. Other seeds fell among the rocks and it began to grow, but the plant soon withered and died for lack of moisture. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil. These seeds grew and produced a crop that was as hundred times as much as had been planted. When he had said this, he called out, Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. His disciples asked what the parable meant, and he replied, You are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God, but I use parables to teach others so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they look, they won't really see, and when they hear, they won't understand. This is the meaning of the parable. So listen up. This is what it means, guys. The seed is God's word. The seed that fell on footpaths represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away and their hearts are prevented from believing and being saved. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while, then they fall away when they face temptation. The seeds that fell among the thorn represents those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. So they will never grow into maturity. And the seeds that fell on good soil represents honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. That's awesome. Now listen to this about the light. No one lights a lamp and then covers it with a bowl or hides it under a bed. 
A lamp is placed on a stand where its light can be seen by all who enter the house. For all that is secret will eventually be brought into the open, and everything that is concealed will be brought into the light and made known to all. So pay attention to how you hear. To those who listen to my teachings, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what they think they understand will be taken away from them. You hear that, guys? That's why I say you got to pay attention when I'm reading the Bible studies. Because when we pay attention, what we hear, God will bless. Then Jesus' mother and his brothers came to see him, but they couldn't get into him because of the crowd. Someone told Jesus, your mother and brothers are standing outside and they want to see you. Jesus replied, my mother and my brothers are those who hear God's word and obey it. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they got into the boat and started out. As they sailed across, Jesus settled down for a nap. But soon a furious storm came down on the lake and the boats were filled with water and they were in real danger. The disciples went and woke him up shouting, Master, Master, we're going to drown. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waves and suddenly the storm stopped and all was calm. Then he asked them, where is your faith? The disciples were terrified and amazed. Who is this man, they asked each other. When he gives a command, even the winds and the waves obey him. So they arrived in the region of Gerasian, across the lake from Galilee. As Jesus was climbing out of the boat, a man who was possessed by demons came out to meet him. For a long time, he had been homeless and naked, living in the tombs outside the town. As soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell down in front of him. Then he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Please, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already commanded the evil spirit to come out of him. The spirit had often taken control of the man. Even when he was placed under guard and put in chains and shackles, he simply broke them and rushed out into the wilderness, completely under the demon's power. Jesus demanded, What is your name? Legion, he replied, for he was filled with many demons. The demons kept begging Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby when the demons begged him to let them enter into the pigs. So Jesus gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs. The entire herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw it, they fled to the nearby towns in the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been freed from the demons just sitting at Jesus' feet, fully clothed and perfectly sane. Then they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what happened told the others how the demon-possessed man had been healed. And all the people in the region of Gerasene begged Jesus to go away and leave them alone, for a great wave of fear swept over them. So Jesus returned to the boat and left, crossing back to the other side of the lake. The man who had been freed from the demons begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him home saying, No, go back to your family and tell them everything God has done for you. So he went all through the town proclaiming the great things Jesus had done for him. On the other side of the lake, the crowds welcomed Jesus because they had been waiting for him. Then a man named Jarjus, a leader of a local synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come home with him. His only daughter, who was about 12 years old, was dying. Jesus went with him. He was surrounded by the crowd. A woman in the crowd was suffering for 12 years with a constant bleeding and she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. Everyone denied it, and Peter said, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus said, Someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. 
When the woman realized she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she touched him and that she had been immediately healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. When he was still speaking to her, a messenger arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. He told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But when Jesus heard what had happened, he said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just have faith and she will be healed. Then he arrived at the house. Jesus wouldn't let anyone go in with him except for Peter, John, and James and the little girl's father and mother. The house was filled with people weeping and wailing, but he said, stop the weeping. She isn't dead. She's only asleep. But the crowd laughed at him because they all knew she was dead. Then Jesus took her by the hand and said with a loud voice, my child, get up. And at that moment, her life returned and she immediately stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat and her parents were overwhelmed. But Jesus insisted that they not tell anyone what had happened. All right, guys, that's the end of it today. Let's say a little prayer and we'll wrap this up. You guys ready? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this time here together in your word, God. We worship you and praise you, Lord. We want to learn more about you every day so we can become more like you, God. For you are the only great thing in this world, God. And we want you to dwell in us and us dwell in you, God. Bless the lives of everyone that this podcast gets to and reaches, that their lives can grow in you the same way our lives is growing in you, God. We worship you and praise you for everything. And in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Say goodbye, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.